Welcome to Up My Hockey with Jason Podolan, where we deconstruct the NHL journey, discuss what it takes to make it, and have a few laughs along the way. I'm your host, Jason Podolan, a 31st overall draft pick who played 41 NHL games, but thought he was destined for a 1,000. Learn from my story and those of my guests. This is a hockey podcast about reaching your potential. Hello up my hockey, welcome back or welcome to the podcast. Today's guest is Brad Larson, the current assistant coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Brad's in his sixth season as the assistant coach in Columbus. Uh, This is after previously being the head coach in the American League for the Springfield Falcons and assistant coach there prior. Uh, Brad had a 294 game NHL career uh, where he instantly upon retirement, got into the world of coaching. So he's been there for the last 10 seasons. Brad and I have a long storied history uh, because we ended up winning a Wee Provincial Championship together back in our Vernon Minor hockey days. Uh, a town of 30,000 people produced three NHLers from that team, Brad Larson, Matt Higgins, and myself. So we go way back. I've seen this guy tear a gym apart, tear a dry land apart. He has been a beast his whole life. He's been a hard worker and he's got the most out of his skill set. And it's, that's something that Danny Briere in a previous episode talking about Brad even said that Brad was a guy that was always an amazing leader, a great teammate, and somebody that took his craft very seriously and, and got the most out of, uh, out of the gifts that were given to him. He he is now using that philosophy uh, and that inner makeup to help Columbus be better and to help young athletes uh, within their organization be better. And he did that in Springfield as well. We talk about Brad's time in junior where he was uh, spent four years with the Swift Current Broncos. Uh, we talk about his draft year. He was drafted twice. Not many players are drafted twice. Brad was, uh, Brad was drafted twice, first in 95, 53rd overall by the Ottawa uh, Senators, and then again in 97, uh, 87th overall by the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, we covered that and how that affected his career. And we also talk about his World Junior experience where he won two gold medals. Uh, the first uh, was in 96. Uh, with me in Boston, we, we won gold together, which was the fourth in a row. And then he came back that next year and captained uh, the, the Canadian uh, World Junior team and, and led them to their fifth gold medal in a row. And Danny Briere was on that team. So very cool that we have a few past uh, World Junior champions uh, on the show. And, and, and it's an honor to have a current NHL assistant coach on there to share his knowledge with us today. Uh, he has lots here to offer. I will let you know that Brad took the time after practice one day and he was juggling the interview along with uh, father duties. So he had to leave the rink and get into his car. So different components of the episode are in different places, but it all uh, is one continuous conversation and one that you will enjoy and I'm sure get a lot out of. So without further ado, I bring you Brad Larson. All right, Lars. We have Brad Larson here, an old timer, an old timer for me, old time friend, um, going way back to the Vernon days, and now the assistant coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, what a what a journey in between those two spots. And we'll try and touch on a bit of it here. But first of all, Lars, thanks for taking the time out of your day and uh, joining us here at Up My Hockey. Yeah, no problem. I uh, look forward to this. 
Awesome. Uh, well, I know you got a lot of stuff to share, which is great. And, um, and we have a, a few things in common, which is fun to start off with. And I think a lot of people that are listening are either young guys, Lars, um, you know, trying to, trying to get to where, where you were able to play and, uh, and do some of those things, whether it be major junior, whether it be, you know, a, a pro, uh, be a pro, or even now, I mean, in the, in the coaching ranks like you are, and, or it's parents listening. And I think it's cool to bring it back to Pee Wee because 8990. Um, I know for me personally, winning the Pee Wee Provincial Championships uh, from a little town like Vernon, um, you know, it is something that we laugh about, and we smile about, but it, like it, it still isn't, it, it was a big deal for me. I mean, I went to the NHL, scored some goals, did some things uh, in hockey, but that's still a special spot for me. And, and the fact that we were on that team together um, with another guy that I'm going to the NHL by the name of Matt Higgins is, is pretty special. What, what do you remember from that year, Lars? You know, it's funny you say that because it's, you know, back then the hockey was just, just the purity of the game, the love of the game. And, and you're, you're not thinking NHL, you know, career, you're not thinking, you know, there wasn't pressure. It was just, it was just love, the, the, you know, game days, like, you know, and the best part was going to, going to tournaments and spending time in hotels and swimming in pools and having McDonald's for the third time of the day. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're, we complain about playing back-to-backs here in the NHL. Back then, we're playing three games in a day, and you wouldn't think twice about it. You'd love it, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's funny how you you drum up these memories and and how it was exciting. I mean, I think the parents they had a blast, you know. I mean, we just we just played. We went and and you know we're fortunate to win as a group, and winning always brings a group together. Doesn't matter what age it is, and so yeah, I, I think it's just fond memories of just enjoying the game. Of yeah. exactly what it was is just the purity of playing and it was a yeah. and to be able to win uh to be able to win is is a special thing and it, it kind of galvanized a group i know at any level i mean just because there are guys from that team that i still see and there's that common bond there right of like geez we did this you know there was a time when we were 13 years old and we we were the best in the province um the other part i'm going to i'm going to touch on is because one first of all i mean playing the nhl is hard Right. I mean, it just is. I mean, the, the stats are out there. They I mean, it's the fraction of the fraction of the fraction to get a chance to throw in an NHL jersey. And that's just the way it is. But what is amazing from that team is that there was three of us from a town of 30 some thousand at the time that ended up being able to wear an NHL jersey. And and why I like that is just because don't let anybody tell you no. You know, like it, it can happen. You know, it, it, it's not like it was special in the moment. It was just, it was a group of kids that played hard and did the right things. And, and some of us were able to get there. And, and uh, I just hate when I hear it again and again and again, Hawaii, don't think like that. Don't, don't, don't think you're going to play in the NHL. It doesn't matter whether you do or you don't, but have the dream because you never know. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with dreaming big. I think that's, I mean, there's, there's so much to be said of that. I mean, and don't, you don't want to put handcuffs or constraints on yourself, and especially as young, like, you know, shoot for it. Why wouldn't you go for it? But, you know, there's – I've always say this. Hockey will get serious enough, you know, at some point. And, and I think some of the – what happens now with, with really young athletes, and um, they're not multi-sport athletes. It's very – it's so single-sport driven. And, you know, if, if they – if you catch someone's eye at age eight or nine, they want you to, you know – do extra stuff in the summer and, and specialized skating and shooting. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I'm not going to deter a kid if he really is dying to do that, but I'm going to say this, it, the, there's something to be said for playing other sports and, and how that 
um, you know, there's hand-eye coordination in baseball. There's there's cardio and and in foot foot and ball for soccer. There's you know other sports. They really, I think they turn you into an overall athlete, which does translate into a better hockey player at some point. And there will be a time where you're going to have to pick a sport, as we all did, and, and you do it because you love it. Um, but I think getting away when you're young and and you know being hungry and excited to play that sport again rather turning it into a job early on. And I think you, you don't want it to be a job. It's, well, I think we're fortunate and we're all at different levels. I think, you know, obviously you were the elite talent out of, out of our group. And then there was me and, and Matt Higgins. And, you know, we were, we were just, we were good players for Pee Wee. We weren't exceptional. We weren't, you know, and everybody develops at different ages. So, um, you know, I think just being patient, enjoy it. And, 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 if you're driven and you love the game, you're, you're, you'll find a way, you know, you'll, you'll find a way. And it, and sometimes guys develop later than others. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. So if someone's telling, you no, I, again, I, you know, 12 or 13 to tell somebody no, that they can't play in the NHL is, is ludicrous to me. Um, you know, but as a parent and, and people with your, with your child, one, make it fun, you know, Hey, you need a work ethic. You got to, there's certain things that in playing in team sport, I think that, that drive you in life, you know, uh, the camaraderie working together. And, um, you know, you do have to be disciplined in certain aspects of your life. So all these things that come in, these are life skills that, that you want to embrace and, and you want them, they're going to learn some tough lessons along the way, but that's part of it. And if that comes to fruition that you actually have a chance to get drafted, you know, play in the American league, get a college scholarship or, or go to the NHL, I mean, that's just kind of icing on the cake for me. And, and, but it, it's, if you, if you hate the game, if it turns into a job at eight, nine, 10 years old, man, it's going to be really hard to drive yourself at 18, 19, 20, when it really truly becomes a grind. Right. I, I think that's interesting that you bring that up. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm from your philosophy. Uh, I mean, I have, I have three kids of my own now, which, which I think, you know, and, and they're all, they all like hockey. Right. And, and kind of different degrees of maybe, uh, excitement about it, you know, like my oldest, my oldest could probably be on the ice every single day and my youngest, maybe five days a week and he's six, you know, and my middle guy who's really good, which is kind of, I mean, he likes being there, but he's, he's not, he's not asked me to take him to extra ice. Right. And it's all, it's all okay. Right. For me. And, and, and I like it to be the other side of the fence where my oldest Hudson is, is begging me to go and he has to ask me a few times and then I'll take him. Right. So I'm from that side of the fence, but then there's, you hear these stories and I know parents struggle with it. Like PK Subban's dad who said, I mean, he would, he would wake both of them up at like 10 o'clock at night for extra ice, even if they didn't want to go, because you know what, kids don't necessarily know what's good for them at the time. And you gotta, you gotta be that driving force for them. And, you know, and then so there, there's PK and Malcolm and they're in the NHL and parents are going, well, maybe that's the way, you know. And again, you already said it. I don't know if there is a way. Like there's a way that I'm feeling comfortable with mm-hmm. and there's a way that you're comfortable with. But mind you, we have a history in the game, right? So we, we can kind of yeah. feel pretty solid with where we're standing there. Like what do you say to the to the guy who's got a nine-to-five job who's just doing the best he can for his son and, and, and just wants to keep up? You know, I mean, maybe he's got a good kid. He's got a good player. He thinks, man, there might be a chance, but I know nothing about this. Everyone else is doing spring hockey. They're doing camps all the time. They got all these guys. Um, is there a message for that person to be like, chill out, don't worry about it, or, or should they be trying to keep up? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I'm, I'm more in the, and maybe because I've been through it, you know, and it's easy to say what, 
what that looks like, what the career looks like, the grind of it, you know, what the toll it takes in your body. To me, I peel it back like this. You have, you have kids and, and now being a father and, you know, you only have so much time together as, as a family, right? So if you're going to go that route, you better be doing it for the right reasons. And, and it's not because while well, I want my kid to be in NHL, you, you don't know if your kid's going to be in NHL or at 11 or 12. I'm sorry. You just don't. Even if they're a great peewee player or bantam, you have no clue because it, the game changes so much and two to three years of development for somebody can change so fast. So don't do it for you. Make sure it's the kid that's wanting this. You know, I think you got to be really careful with that. Um, but don't lose sight of what sport is for. Like that is my biggest message with family, like sport. There's, there's tons of, of great values to learn in sport, but you know, to just get your kid involved in more and more and more and more, and you'll never get that time back at the, at the dinner table. You'll never get that time back of just you and him hanging out, going to a movie together, doing, you know, to me, that outweighs any sport that's, you know, that family time. So, and again, I'm not, people that, that want to go that road, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. Just make sure your priorities are straight and, and that the kid is, sometimes the kid doesn't know what he wants. We all know that, but at the end of the day, he's, he's got to be the one that, that, that just loves it and wants to do it. And sometimes you may have to pull him away from it. You know, like you said, your oldest, he just wants to go, 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 let him do something else. You know, maybe he loves something else. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, that, when you look at the numbers of who's going to make the NHL when there's 700 jobs, just over 700 jobs, and there's what, three, four, five billion people in the world, like the numbers don't add up. They just don't. They, they, the odds, like if someone told me that when I was 15 years old, they'd be like, I have no chance, you know? So it's, it's the odds of your child making it are very slim. That's not to deter you. It doesn't mean they won't make it, but you know, you got to be really careful how hard you push and what you're sacrificing when you're pushing them towards something like that, you right. know? So, so to me, the family time and, and, and making sure that you're, you're involved in their lives in, in the right way. Um, yeah. You'll never regret spending too much time together. You'll never regret having too many dinners as a family together, uh, you know, and, and sport does bring families together, but you know, if you have multiple siblings, you know how it is. Somebody's left behind and, and or they're getting dragged along and, and, you know, it can be miserable for my poor older brother. He was off every weekend somewhere else, you know. So yeah. it's, a, it's a tough dynamic. And I think I, I like to believe most parents have um, the, right, uh, the right purpose for doing what they're doing. But, you know, you're, only that person knows. And, and make sure you're doing it for the right reason. Yeah. Don't do it. I agree with you on the right reasons. I think yeah, the expectation is big, right? If your expectation yeah. is to is to teach your kid, you know, how to be his best or her best, you know, like well, what it takes to do that, like aligning your habits with a goal or a dream. You know, I, I think those are good life lessons. Those are things that you can you can consolidate around as a family. You know, it's something that you can guide as a parent. Um, but it can't be we're doing this only, and we're only successful if you make it here. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. this, this only works or this only values you if, if you make that get that division one scholarship or you play pro. I mean, that, that's where it gets confused. I mean, that's where it's not beneficial to anybody. Right. Because that's just where the numbers don't add up. Um, but if you're doing the right things to get there, I mean, whether he plays pro or not, like he's going to use that in whatever aspect of life he does later on. Um, I think parents need to be careful with that, too. So. I'm glad we agree on that because um, it is an it's an interesting thing now. I mean, I 
you sure. see it more and more now as the assistant coach, I'm sure of the, of the, uh, of the blue jackets where like these guys, like I've heard stories like these, like these NHL athletes don't know how to throw a football. Like they, like it blows me away. I've, I've watched, and I won't name names, but I've watched them throw, shoot a basketball or throw a ball and I'm dumbfounded. I'm like, really? Like I'm, I'm no, I'm no five-star athlete in every sport, I'm, but I learned how to throw a ball. I learned how to kick a soccer ball and, and not cause anybody, I just, that's what you did. You know, summertime. All right, let's get outside. Let's go do some things. You know, I wasn't yeah. a single sport guy, and I just like to be active. It didn't matter what it was, and and I enjoyed playing baseball. I enjoyed playing soccer. I enjoyed let's go shoot hoops and 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 you know downtown at the school, and we'll shoot for like three hours and play yeah. two and two. It was it was a blast. You know, so again, I think all those things help you be a well-rounded athlete, and your coordination, your hand-eye, all these things that are important for hockey because a lot of it's balance and. Um, yeah, it, it, it blows me away, actually. But do you know some it, of these guys are hockey and how bad right. they are at other sports. And that, and that I mean, there, I'm sure people listening to right now are saying, well, I mean, there's proof that, that you know, you don't need to be a, a multi-sport athlete because these guys have made it and they can't throw a football. Like, do you – like, to me, it, it, it's an interesting question. Like, is that the new way? Like, do you need to be multi-sport to be exceptional, to be world-class early on? Like, there's some countries that are – that are saying that they, they don't even like Norway, for instance, in the Olympics, they, they didn't, they don't allow anyone in that country until they're 12 to, to focus on a single sport and look how many gold medals they won. And there's like, what, not even a million people there. I don't think maybe a million. Yeah. So like there's different sides of the fence, but when you see these guys coming up and, and I mean, that's the new age, right? Spring hockey, summer hockey, winter hockey, uh, people are pulling their kids out of minor hockey and putting them in the elite leagues. Like it's getting really crazy on the, on the grassroots roots level. And, and I'm sitting here and it sounds like you are too, kind of arguing for the fact of uh, let's have some balance here. But, um, but the environment is what it is. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll just switch gears, but I do think it's a little bit nuts. And I think that, I think that people got to slow down, especially at the young ages, right? Like you said, there's going to be a time, you know, there's going to be a time where you just have to, I mean, because the commitment with whatever level you're competing at is going to demand your time. And until that happens, I think you should protect your time. Right. But and again, it goes back. What, what's the goal? Like what, yeah. it, 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 why is every parent going, my son's going to play national hockey league, or he's going to play, you know, or minimum college scholarship. I mean, the percentages of just even getting a college scholarship is really low. So there's no harm in them playing other sports. Like again, especially as a young age, like it'll get serious enough when it gets serious enough and you'll know, you'll know that time because you don't have enough time to do everything. Yeah, but no, it's, it's just yeah, let the kid enjoy life first. You yeah. know, it's it's not it's not the end of the world. So we went, so we had a peewee championship. I left, I went to Sherwood Park that next year. I was in Bantam. You had another year left of peewee. And then you ended up get, playing as a 16-year-old in the Western Hockey, which was a huge accomplishment in and of itself. Yep. Um, and I believe, because it was just right at that funky time where I think my, dra- my Bantam draft year was the first year, like most of the guys were in it. There was only three of us that had already been listed, like myself, Jeff Friesen, and I think Jason Weimer had been, had been listed already. So it was almost everybody was available. So I would guess that your year for the Bantam draft, everyone was available, correct? Yes. Yeah, and they had a whole draft. Yeah, I remember getting drafted. Do you yeah. do you remember anything about that? Like, do you remember was was there any type of I don't know? Like, were you did you know scouts were watching? Were you worried about your ranking? Yeah. I know, like right now, it's crazy again, right? They're ranking guys, and people are worried about it. And I just want to kind of 
because I know there's guys listening here that they are Bantamage and they're like, oh, this is my draft year. This is a big deal. You know, sure. I'm trying to I'm trying to get some ice time and get noticed. Like, what what do you remember about your draft year there for the WHL? Well, it, again, I was probably clueless because I just didn't know any better. I played I played junior B at 15 and played Nelson and did that. So I was playing against guys who were 21, 20. Like it was it was a crazy league back then. It wasn't skill wasn't <laughs> the main thing there. You know, it was a little bit nuts, but. Um, but I do remember I talked with a lot of teams. I remember scouts coming and talking to me and I was like, again, I just clueless like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and, and I guess, uh, I think one of the only teams I didn't talk to was Swift Kern and they're the ones who drafted. So it's just kind of funny how it works. And, you know, I ended up getting drafted Swift Kern and then going uh, from junior B and playing as a 16 year old, kind of an underage guy. And yeah, then it just started, and it was, you know, it was a, it was a man's league back then. It was, it was a whole different ball of wax going from that to, to Western Hockey League. I was pretty uh, wide-eyed, and, and yeah, it was a crazy sure. experience. That's a jump. That's interesting, though. Like, why don't we touch on Junior B just for a second? Because yeah. that is a lot of questions that I get, right? Like, what's the right route from my kid or even the kid? Where am I supposed to go? Who am I supposed to play for? And they have all these academies now, and there's so many options, and I get it that can be overwhelming. Um, at 15 for you to leave home and have your dad yeah. say and your mom say, Hey, yeah, you know, I support this. Like, where did that come from? And why did you think that was the right place for you to be? I, well, seriously. So I was trying out for, uh, it was Kelowna. I think it was the Spartans at that time. They were junior A. So I was trying out for them. And I remember the coach must've talked to my dad said, yeah, I think he, he can make our team as a 15 year old, but he's probably not going to play a lot. And at the same time, you know, during those camps, there was junior B guys or coaches and stuff. And, and, and they talked to my dad and said, look, he can come to Nelson. He's going to play. He's going to play a ton. And so we talked about it and, and really it came down to where are you going to play? You know, if, and I'm like, I'm going to dad said, I'm going to play a lot more there. That's what I did. So I might have made the junior A team, you know, which would have been more about my ego and been like, wow, I'm on this great team or I'm young. You got to play, you know, when you're young and there's no benefit to playing on a really good team when you're really young and not playing you, you, to be a young guy and not play. It's just going to hurt you. So I took a step back and I think it really helped me. I was playing against older guys and yeah, I mean, it was, again, it was a crazy league. Don't get me wrong. It was nuts. And I, I seriously, I look at my parents now. I have kids now and I look at them like, and I see a 15 year old go, you let me go live with someone. Oh, you guys are out of your mind. You know? <laughs> so, so again, what is the right route? You know, again, that was a number of years ago. So things have changed, you know, quite honestly now, if, 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 if my son or daughter were good enough and, and I would probably push it, I'd be like, go college, go to college, go get a degree, go. You're not going to have a bad time there. If you're good enough, you'll make it. You know what I mean? Just because education is so important and it was important back then, but it was just a different, schools couldn't talk to you and you didn't, you know, it was, it was just a different time. So um, that's just my personal opinion. That doesn't mean I'm right. I'm just saying right. that's right. Pushing for because, because of the importance of an education and, and really because how few people make it, you know, it, it's, it's hard to make it. So um, yeah, for, for me and going through that, like I was 15, I think I was homesick for one day and then I loved it. I'm like, this is great. You know, just, it worked for me and, and it worked for me at that time in my life. And, and, you know, he went through a lot of crazy stuff at a young age, but uh, you know, and for career wise, it worked out really well for me. Right. Yeah. That is a super interesting. That's not for everybody. And, and that, uh, I mean, a lot of guys are going through that. I mean, 
16s even yeah you I mean I, I i did it too i had the benefit of having um having my mom come with me when i was a 15 year old and i went to penticton right so played with played with had a chance to play with paul career there as a 15 year old and like you said in a in a really good league um with some with some men and it was a tough league and it was hard and uh and you're in a new school and you're trying to figure that whole thing out and you're just getting your driver's license and you know like it was walking into merit are you kidding me like you know what i mean like for, for a saturday night game and they're throwing beer on you and you're 15 years old and you have no idea what's going on there's line brawls left and right and it's like wow like so this is what it's all about and um i guess that's the thing right we we're talking about what you want to do like either you got it in your guts or you don't um you know like it's it's one of those things where or, I mean, you got to want to do that. I mean, no one can force you yeah. to do that. And I think yeah. you were probably asking your dad, yeah, hey, I want to do this. Your, your old man yeah. wasn't saying, hey, Brad, you, the, the cuss for you, right? You're like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. You know, and I think if you got a kid like that, like that's what I'm doing now as a coach and now as a parent is just like, let's just support some dreams, you know? Like, that's what I think it's all about. Let's support it. Whatever it is that that kid wants, let's support it. Let's try and enable that person to do what they can do. And if that means junior B, if that means tier two, if that means staying and playing youth hockey and, you know, doing whatever that is, I, I think every family is going to be different, but um, try and get in that kid's back pocket and really help them out. I think that's the biggest thing. And, and I said that to my mom too now, like having kids of my own, like, it was insane looking at that level of commitment. Like I was an only child, maybe a little bit different, but like, wow. Like to let her kid leave at 16, like came with me at 15. We moved at 14 to go to a different province because of hockey. Like that's pretty nuts. You know, that's pretty nuts. Yeah. That's an incredible commitment. And, and with me, I loved hockey. So it, you know, you're, you gotta remember you're asking a 15 year old. I was like, yeah, let's do it. It'll be awesome. Like I was just, I was gung ho and ready to go. And, that's part of being young is you just, you don't know any better and you're a little bit naive. Right. So, um, but I, I, I love to play hockey. I loved it. And it didn't matter where it was going to be. Like I said, if it was junior A, junior B, I was just like, they want me. Sure. That'll be great. I get to play a lot. Great. Let's go do it. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't. And that's where, you know, as parents, so you gotta, you gotta help guide them. You know what I mean? It's, it's because especially now there's so much, it's like propaganda almost like they, they lure you and there's agents and there's all these things that are happening at such a, a younger age. It's to me, it's scary, but so, you know, inform yourself as parents and, and, you know, do what's right for you and your family. Don't be, don't be pushed or swayed any, any one way and, and don't make them feel guilty. Anybody starts making you feel guilty for not doing it or your kid's going to fall behind or your kid. It's insanity. No, it's not going to yeah. happen. They'll figure it out. They'll be fine. And, and that's, they use scare tactics. It sounds like, again, yeah. it's not my, my kids are too young, but I've heard some stories already. They, they try to almost scare you. And if you don't, you know, they make you feel bad as a parent. And um, it's, it's insane. Support them uh, to help guide them, be informed, you know, ask questions. And, and if someone's too pushy, it's probably not the right place for you. to go. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I, I in general think the hockey world is a really good world. You know, I think there's good people involved in it. Um, but well, I don't know what the right word is. I mean, everyone has their job to do too, right? Which is to get kids to fill programs, to do this, to do that. So I think that authenticity level and, and, and just getting in that right environment, like a coach is important. We're going to get into coaching too, but like having that relationship, especially with a parent and the kid going in there that you, you trust one, 
and respect this person is big. And I think, cause I mean, this is your kid going somewhere, right? It's not something to take lightly. Um, so make sure that that relationship is there and that you do believe what you're hearing is, is the truth would be, would be my suggestion on that one. Um, let's go back to Swift Current though. So Swifty, like my goodness, I mean, I guess you're in the cusp and the cusp to Swift isn't that huge of a difference when it comes to like size of town and that sort of scenario, but it is a heck of a different league. Um, you know, I wrote some names down there. I mean, Rick Gerard, Ashley Buckberger, Ladislav Cohn. You had four guys your rookie year that scored 40 goals, um, all of which uh, went on to, to play some professional hockey. Did, was there any, you know, it, I had Pat Falloon, Ray Whitney, like these guys. Like, so like my eyes were like, holy smokes, like this yeah. is a whole different universe, right? Did you kind of have that at the beginning or was there anyone that you looked up to or, or did anyone that took you under your wing in that, in that rookie year? Uh, you know, I, I think Ashley Buckberger was a guy who did for sure. He was, I mean, he was just a, he was a good man. And, and, you know, I think he had been there as a young guy. He knew what it was like and he really helped me out. Um, I lived with Rick Gerard my first year. So, um, he helped me a ton. Um, yeah, the whole league, the whole, like, it's a massive step from junior B to, to the Western Hockey League and, um, makeup of teams were a lot different back then too. Just, you know, there was, I mean, you had to, you had to be you, you couldn't play timid let's put it that way out in on the ice and and so you know the year before the swift current had gone to the i think the conference finals and lost to maybe i think it was portland winterhawks and so they had the, they had built this team but they still a really good team but yeah i mean you're going to swift current it's minus 35 it's you know it's so i was i was so lucky i i had unbelievable billets i stayed in the same billets for four years um all the four, uh, 16 through 19 and and they they were like second parents to me i mean i know some some guys who weren't so lucky where the experience was real tough but they they took me under the wing like one of their own um treated me well um you know i i i still keep in touch with them to this day um they were just quality quality people that uh that really took care of me in some really crazy years of your life 16 to 19 and so I was very fortunate that way, but yeah, I mean, Ashley Buckberger, Rick Gerard, there was those, those two guys really helped me kind of through that season okay. and it was a crazy year. Yeah. I had a chance to play with, uh, with Bucky and uh, my first year pro in, in Carolina and I, I ended up playing with Ladislav Cohn later too. So anyways, I know yeah. both those guys personally, but um, you raise a good point. I want to, uh, I want to touch on leadership here in a little bit, but I love the fact that you brought up Billets and we haven't had that as a topic conversation, but like what a massive deal that is. Like, and like you said, like we, I just talked about, make sure you have a good relationship with the coach. If you're going anywhere, if your parents are going any, if you're thinking about having a kid, like that is a huge, that's a deal breaker and, and a deal maker, right? Like that environment. And there are some horror stories and generally, again, usually they're good. Usually they're good stories. Usually the teams do a good job of finding good people, but like, my goodness, if you don't have good people and you're away from home and you're away from your parents and, and you know, there's no food in the fridge or these people don't care about nothing or whatever the case may be. Um, it's hard enough playing junior hockey, let alone trying to deal with, with, uh, with not great billets. So I want to send a big thank you out to mine because I had amazing billets too, four years in Spokane and, um, they were sly though. Tim Speltz knew, like he knew when he had the good billets, right? Because they had, uh, they had uh, Frank Evans, who was his 20 year old year. And he lived there for four years and he was about to leave. And I came in right at the end of that season. Um, 
my 15 year old season in Penticton. So they're like, why don't you go stay with Frank? And they asked Dick and Sue if I, if I could stay there. And they knew that, you know, we'd build a relationship that year. And instead of them mm-hmm. saying bye, that they would, they would come back again next year. So they, they, they kept Dick and Sue on for a few more years because, uh, because of bringing me in there and, Boy, like what a what a difference maker though to have people that are making you pregame meals and she had fresh cookies and was worried about whether I was up or not and yeah like she was my mom she was my mom without yeah. my mom being there and uh, and that yeah. totally helped me so that's a big deal. Yeah, I would I would take that very very serious if your kid's going to be staying at someone else's house and again those are the, I I heard about guys who didn't have food in the fridge and and or they had, had you know the, the it was just maybe not the best living conditions and. I think maybe some of them were trying to make some money off this, which it's impossible. You know, I think they're only getting 300 bucks a month. And right. as a teenager, I mean, you're eating 300 bucks a week, almost really. You're just, you know, you're, you're, you're hungry. And so, yeah, that, that you, you better do your homework there too. And just, you know, try and create that relationship with the billets. If that's where your son or daughter is going to be. No doubt. No doubt. Um, so you throughout your career, you, you, you were a leader. You always had a letter on your chest. Um, were you the captain of the Broncos at one point? Yeah, a couple of years there, yeah. Your last two years, hey? Last two so after years. your draft year. So um, I want to touch on that, but I want to talk about your draft year first. So the first year was tough, right, for all of us. 16, you're coming in there. You had a good team. I, I don't know how much you were playing. You weren't playing. The stat line didn't really show a ton of success with goals and assists, but, you I mean, you're getting your feet wet and figuring it out. And then year two is your draft year. And you ended up going third round, I think, to Ottawa. Is that correct? Yep. I was uh, – well, at that point, yeah, it was third round. I think it was 50, 53rd overall. which so almost was a second-round pick. Yeah, yeah. Or a second-round pick now, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, that I means so you had a good draft year uh, by all counts. I mean, that's a, that's a great placement. Um, how how did that year go? And then just just talk a little bit because I know you went back in the draft. I think that's like people are really interested about about the draft year. You know, a lot of young guys like what what does that mean? Like, what did that mean to you? Were you just doing your thing again, or were you or were you aware of what was happening? Was that a big deal to you where your where your ranking was? I think I was aware of it. You know, it's you know how much you were fully aware. It, you know, you can get drafted. You know, and and again, that's an age where I think you're starting to realize like your dream could come true, you know, and then people are talking to you and going, Hey man, like you, you could get drafted. I'm like, really, you know, I'm good enough. And so it was starting to kind of come together there a little bit. And, and you start to realize that, all right, you know, this is, you got to take this serious. And, and so, yeah, I, I, I would say I was aware, naive, but aware for sure of, of what was going on that year. I got drafted, you know, went to the draft, did that whole thing. And, um, you know, and, and so got picked by, by Ottawa. And then, you know, I ended up going back in the draft. That story is, you know, I was, I was, I got traded. Um, I was after, I think it was my first year world juniors. I got traded to, to Colorado and, and then I was in that organization. But if you remember then, like they were young, I mean, they were Adam Dedmar. So I was Peter Forsberg. They were so, um, they offered me a very, it was a fine contract, but we, we decided that we weren't going to sign there because all their forwards were young. Like I, I, I couldn't look and go, man, I got a chance of making it in the next five, six years. So we respectfully declined their offer and said it wasn't money. It wasn't, it just, I didn't see room for me ever in a long, for a long time. So, um, they actually did say, look, if, if you're available at the right place, we may redraft you, but I never, 
in a million years thought it would happen. I was actually, I was dating a girl. I was going to Mexico and it was the day of the draft. I didn't go to the draft this time. And um, before I took off, you know, they were already in the second round. I hadn't been drafted. I landed and my agent called and said, Hey, you got drafted. I'm like, all right, who picked me up? They said Colorado. And I was like, what? Like, I couldn't believe it. Like they, so I thought my world was over. Right. But you know, when you peel it back, they liked you, obviously. Um, it was the fourth round this time instead of third, but they, they liked me. They, they thought that there would be a place for me. So it's funny how things work. And I ended up staying that organization for almost seven, eight years, you know, I was four in the minors and finally cracked the lineup in 2001. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a weird, and now apparently I was the example for all the other guys that didn't want to sign. I didn't know this till later on, but they're like, if you don't sign, we might draft you again. And, um, I ended up signing for a little bit less, but they really could have put the boots to me for right. signing bonus and different things. And they didn't, they were pretty fair. And, and, and what they offered because there wasn't, it wasn't personal. It wasn't about a money thing. It was just, we didn't think I could, I could crack it. And uh, it all worked out, you know, in the right. end and, and like always go back to if, you, if you're good enough and, and you work hard enough and, and, you know, hopefully the stars align, you, you, you'll find a way. Good for you though. I mean, that's a, that was a brave choice. Um, you know, to, to re-enter, right. To say no. And just to, cause yeah. you, you never do know. Right. And you were one of the kind of, like you said, you were a trailblazer essentially. Well, not many guys were doing that. Um, it doesn't happen very often. And it wasn't, it wasn't a, like I said, it wasn't because I thought I was this special player. I just, I just really, I looked at their lineup even as a young man and went, man, where do I play with this group? Like they were, they were just so good and so young. So, right. so I think that's why the the relationship was salvageable. I don't, there was no right. anger or, or um, you know, animosity held on either side. It was just, you know, when they redrafted me after I got over that a couple of days, I was like, all right, well, they like me. I know that. So, and then we just, you know, you, you roll your sleeves up and go to work. Yeah. Do you have any stories from your draft year? You said you went to the, the draft your first time. Um, you know, a lot of guys are, I mean, they, first of all, I, I know there's tons of kids out there that would love to have the opportunity to get drafted, of course, and to be one of the guys that gets to go there. Um, and and the draft interview days are, each team is so wildly different. I just, did you have any takeaways or any memories from, from your from your draft day experience? I just remember, you know, I had, I had four or five, you know, team meetings, you know, you go in and there's a boardroom table and Nothing crazy, no no unexpected questions. I actually felt like Ottawa was my best interview by far, um, believe it or not. When and when I went to the draft and felt like I was most comfortable and, and they seemed the most enthused about it. Um, right. I also did fly-ins too. Like I remember flying to New York and doing like physical testing and stuff like that. I remember flying to different areas and doing that. But uh, I just, nothing, I wouldn't say anything out of the or it just Everything was just so you know, you dream about it, right? You're at the draft. It's like, you, this is the stuff you watch on TV. And, and a lot of guys that I'd played with in world juniors were getting drafted in the first round. So, um, so it was, it was a lot of fun, like, you know, uh, watching guys you knew and played with and, and they were getting drafted high. And, and so, um, yeah, it was a, it was an Edmonton. It was a crazy experience, you know, and just young and foolish and, and probably having a little bit too much fun. And, and, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad I went, but then I didn't miss it the second time. I, you know, I would, right. if you're, if you're not a sure shot first rounder, I'd tell parents don't go. Right. Um, it's just, it's just so much can happen and there's nothing worse than watching the kids sit there and just sink in the seat, you know, anyways, falling down the, the, the yeah. draft rankings and, and stuff. So it's, it can be crushing, 
you know what I mean? But, but I get where they go. I, you know, I was that kid too. I was excited and, and it was just a very unique opportunity. Yeah. That's um, to be, to put yourself back at 18, 19, it's funny. I mean, now at 43 and you're in your forties, we, when you're 19, you don't, you don't feel young, right? You feel old and immature. No. And you, I mean, you feel mature and like you got, you got it all figured out essentially, right? You got the world by the tail and life's been good and you're this good hockey player, but man, like walking, I remember just being, and I felt that I was a pretty confident kid, but walking into those draft rooms, you know, when there's sometimes 10 scouts in the GM and they're all circled up in this big semicircle and you're in the middle and they're just peppering questions at you. And, some of those environments, um, at least for me, like I knew some of these times, like, why am I even in this room right now? Like you guys are yeah. peppering me, you know what I mean? Like this is yeah. it's a hostile environment and you're facing these men and they're firing questions at you. It's just um, a pretty wild scenario, I guess. I mean, it is something that you may be, you're lucky if you get a chance to do it, but uh, I, I kind of chuckle now looking back on it, like, uh, you know what, what they put these 19 year old kids through but i guess it's yeah. with good reason you know I mean like you're investing in the future they want to find out about you right what you're made out of how you're going to withstand the fire or whatever whatever the philosophy is or for how these teams handle it but yeah um, i think it's a lot worse now i think it's a lot more intense um you know i i hear just what our staff does and and you know the scouts and you know they bring in certain people the personality assessments to all these different things right because again it's 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 a billion dollar industry now and, and they can't afford to make mistakes. You know, that's yeah. kind of where they're at and any information they can gather, um, you know, is important. And, and a lot of it does ride on the character, integrity, all these things that are real important for an athlete or just a person in general. Yeah. No, I mean, that's great. You bring that up. I mean, that goes with the leadership aspect, but that goes with what, what I'm talking to these guys about is, um, <laughs> your character matters, like not even a, like, not just a little bit, because one, it's going to make you a better player, but two, like people are going to find out, you know, like, like this day and age, like we could have hit a little bit back in our age, right? Like people weren't lifting rocks up and, you know, open, opening closet doors. Right. But now like they're talking to everybody they can, right. If they're going to invest in you and they're going to waste uh, or not waste, they're going to invest the pick, whether it's first, second, third, fourth, or fifth, that's an important pick. You get like seven or eight picks around at a draft, right? Like these are, these are high, high stakes scenarios these guys are playing in a big dollar business and they're going to do their homework. And that means asking your coach, talking to teachers, talking to whoever they can to find out about you. And, um, you know, the more authentic you can be with that character and you're not putting on a show, but like actually live what your dream is. I mean, that's a big deal. And, and I, I think that's the part that I think a lot of these young guys are kind of missing. Like that, that separates you. Sure. Well, and, and someone told me this a long time ago, I don't remember who, but, and I'm sure everybody's heard it, but it takes a lifetime, you know, to, to build basically a, a reputation and, and it takes one moment to ruin it. And, you know, so, and, and now in the days of social media and phones and videos and YouTube, and I'm probably way behind, there's some way ahead of that Snapchat and all these different things that are going on. I'm not a social media guy, but you, you know, you make, you make one wrong decision and, and really it's unfair because, you know, I think of all the silly things and stupid things I did as a young man and, and you know, it's not about living a perfect life, but, you know, if you, you, you want to live your life, you know, with integrity and character and, and people are watching and it's super important because yeah. you, you take any team that's ever won and, and generally they're very, very close knit group that had, they oozed character and oozed integrity and oozed um, all these qualities that teams want. Um, and that doesn't mean that you can't recover from a mistake because you absolutely can. 
but you know, every decision you make is important. And yeah. you know, one wrong decision can really ruin um, a lot of good work that you've put in. Um, 100%, 100%. You can string a lot of great days together, a lot of good years, and you have a bad week and, you know, it can all go south. And that's sort of where you want to, you want to have that good foundation and that good support group too. I talk about having a good, a good inner circle, right? The guys you're hanging with and who you're doing with, that's can, can definitely help. When you, one of the things I find interesting, because like, I, I think it is a word that gets used, one character, I think, you know, I mean, a character guy, right? We want character in our room. We look for character people. If you were to say that, or if I was to say that, or if Mike Babcock's to say that, I think everyone has a little different idea of maybe what that means in the hockey world and in, in the hockey universe. Yeah. Um, when you say character, like what, what are the traits that you, that you think exemplify character? Well, and, and again, it's probably uh, mundane and redundant with the way I'd come up with it, but you know, someone who's character, top of the list for me is integrity. Um, you know, somebody who's selfless, um, somebody who's, you know, it, that old adage where, you know, what is he doing when nobody's watching? Um, do I have to, do I have to harp on this kid to get in the gym? Do I have to, you know, yeah, he, we've asked him to lose 10 pounds. He says he's doing everything, but he's up, he's up a pound from where he started. It doesn't add up, you know, um, you know, all these things and, and we're, we're a team sport and that's, we, we're not tennis. We're not golf. We're not, you know, it's not a, a single, single man sport. So, you can't just think of yourself. So when I, when I say selfless, it's, uh, you, you really, you, the best players in the world do have this swagger and arrogance and almost selfishness to them, but they understand how to win. And I was very privy to see that firsthand in Colorado with the Joe Sackicks, uh, Peter Forsbergs, Ray Bork, Patrick Waugh, um, you know, Rob Blake, Adam Foote, um, you know, Mike Keene. These guys were, uh, I think at one time there was five Hall of Famers on my team and I got to see it up close and nobody was ever grabbing the stat sheet after and nobody ever was worried about other one thing other than winning the cup. It wasn't about making playoffs. It wasn't about getting points. It wasn't about they were driven to win as a team. And I was I've been in some unbelievable team meetings and watching these Hall of Famers go at each other for all the right reasons. And being challenging each other and accountability like you've never seen. So when I saw the best in the world do it um, in, in some really intense meetings, again, for all the right reasons, um, because it was all, the only standard was winning. That's it. And it wasn't about no one cared who, who got accolades, no one cared about goals and assists. It was like, how are we going to win this thing? And watching that up close was, I mean, that, that's just, those are things that I will take to my grave and, and it's a big part of, uh, I was lucky. I was just lucky to be a part of an environment where, where winning was number one. Um, it was only about team and you had the best players ever play the game almost on one team. It was nuts. Like when we played Detroit in the conference finals, my first full season, we played three game sevens in a row. So we had, you know, our staff, well, then on their side, they have Iserman and Shanahan and Brett Hall and Dominic Hasek. And you're, it's, it's insane. You'll never see that. Pavel Datsuk, like, like you're missing Hall of Famers, right? So okay. in, out of two teams, you might have 14 Hall of Famers. That's insanity. It's insane. Yeah. And so 
and they were very much known people that were in in that room i know it was the exact same thing it was all about winning and that's why they, they were so successful because they had uh the elite of the elite but they were driven to win and they were selfless and and i've heard it before and, and the one thing winning takes sacrifice and that's what it is not everybody can be at the forefront all the time but there's no unimportant part so you when you're part of something like that it's special and it gets harder and harder in this in this world now because it's a very me first world now uh, with social media and everything's so transparent about stats and arbitration and uh, when you're as soon as you go to contract time they throw it in your face if you if you don't have the stats and the numbers and social media that's all analytics and it's all driven so you know you, you kind of fight yourself and I can see as an athlete how it's hard but um, that's selfless uh, sacrifice team first character that 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 stuff is it's as a coach coming from a coach when you get a player like that that just gets it it's 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 awesome yeah well and it's invaluable too and, and that you talk about your reputation like that follows you too you know like guys know that and and, and as much as the stat line is nice and i mean sure guys pay for goals and guys are going to play for plus minus and you know that happens in your league it's a results driven sport on an individual level but you can play a long time being a good character guy and being a guy that takes care of others. And I, yeah. I, I don't want that to be forgotten or, or, or misunderstood because it, it is a, it is a real deal. I want to chat a little bit. We're jumping all over. I do want to get back to world junior. I think that was important, but I want to, since we brought up your rookie year, like, um, and playing with those guys and being in that environment and seeing that, like what, what an opportunity, like you say, and something you'll never forget. Um, how was it being a rookie in that environment? Like, in, and I'll just preface this by, I've told this story a couple of times. Like the first three, the first four NHL organizations I was, I was with were all losing organizations at the time, struggling to make the playoffs. Guys were very individually driven, right? Protecting their jobs. I didn't know it at the time. Like I said, a little oblivious, right? I'm, all I was doing, I was getting called up or trying to make a team. That's, I was just trying to make a team, right? Like I didn't really understand the culture or the dynamics of what was happening. Um, but then at the end of my career, after I went to, to, to Germany and came back and got a trial with the Red Wings, I went to Red Wings camp and it was night and day yeah. how it felt there, how it felt to be included, what the conversations were like, the inclusiveness, how guys were making me be a better player. Like it was, I was like, holy man. So this is what it can be like, you know? And, yeah. and, and now at 40, like looking back, like if I was to start an organization, if I was to be a coach, like, I don't know where that necessarily starts, where that seed is that initially gets planted. But if you're a young guy and guys are like wanting you to be better on that team and not trying to get you out, but wants you to produce and yep. be a player, like, did you find that was what the environment was like there for you? Like, did you feel included? You, you were, you were wanted to be a part of things and to, and to contribute. Absolutely. And that's what made it work was when I, when I tell you that they understood how to win, so I was really just a bit part. I mean, I was, I was told by the head coach, like I'm there to just rest our top players. And so you don't feel that important at the time, but through the players and through from, from Rob Blake to Sackick to, to, um, you know, Forger, any of these guys, they, it's like they knew when to talk to you and, and make you feel part of it and make you feel like you, you are important. And whether I was playing four minutes or six minutes, um, you know, you know, my role, again, the one thing that I always tell kids is, you know, there's, there's many ways to make it, it, it you know, everybody that gets to that level in NHL 
pretty much was their best player or one of the best players. You, you look around that locker room and you go, okay, he was, he was a, you know, NCAA scorer. He was top goalie in, in college. This guy was Western Hockey League top scorer for his team. This guy, you know, you're now European. This guy was world championships at 15 played in Russia. So everybody was, it's the best of the best. So you can't, and then you got the upper, then you got the elite of the elite. You got the, you know, when I played, it was the Sackicks, the Forsberg. So how do you, how do you fit in? You know, how do you make yourself relevant? And so a lot of times it's, it's what are you willing to sacrifice? And I go back to that. And what are you willing to do to make it, try and make a career? So I knew I had to adjust my game or I never was going to play. So it was, I had to start being more physical and do some of the, the, the work that nobody else wanted to do. And it was blocking shots. It was, you know, being a little bit of an irritant uh, and going out and, and maybe pissing people off and scrapping the odd time and, and just doing the things that, how do I make myself relevant on this team and, and important. And these guys in this team were unbelievable at, and their timing was impeccable where maybe it wasn't going as well or they'd be like, Hey, that was awesome last night. I loved how you, you ran over somebody if I like they really appreciate it so you actually you know is is smaller role as you had you felt important on the team and I always and I and I do believe that there is no unimportant role because even on a if you make a run in the NHL and you go to playoffs and you go to the Stanley Cup finals at some point you know you, you really are only as good as your weakest link because you know every there is no unimportant play it could be a face-off it could be a shot that you didn't block that went in and that's a 3-2 goal you lose it's game six that's over um, you know, it's a face-off you won or it's a face-off you lost. And everything is so magnified by the time you get to that point and there's going to be injuries. So you're going to get inserted in situations. So, you know, that preparation meets opportunity. If you're not prepared, you know, you set yourself up to fail. But if you prepare properly and you, and, and you know you've done everything in your power, you, you won't fail because there's nothing more you could have done. It's when you you have regrets when you don't prepare properly. And, and so it, it's just – there is, there's not a guy in that team in that, at that point that's not important. And, and, you know, and that's what galvanizes groups as you go forward. So it's just – it's understanding, you know, that, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're fortunate to have a career. And, and, but being a part of something like that, is, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, and that's where I think you're talking about the, you know, the best players. Because, I mean, I, I, there's two schools, two ways I want to go on that. I think hockey is a weak link sport, not a strong link sport. Like meaning you need your bottom end players to be good. If you want to be great, right. You can have a couple stars, but you're not going to win a championship with a couple stars in hockey. There's just too many, there's too many components there. Right. So, but the, but the stars are still very important pieces. I mean, you need to have those guys, but if those guys aren't good leaders and if those guys aren't inclusive and those guys aren't your hardest workers, like that's where you're having issues. And, uh, and I wonder, like, not that we want to bash Atlanta, and maybe you won't even bash Atlanta, but, like, going from that scenario in Colorado to this group of Hall of Famers, this, you know, perennial cup contender, and then ending up in, in Atlanta where it wasn't as successful, and I'm sure, you know, not as many wins. It can't be as much fun to be around there. Like, what, what did you think was missing, or how, what did you try to do there to emulate what, uh, what was happening in, in Colorado? Well, Honestly, when I first got uh, uh, picked up on waivers there, it was it was like the twilight zone. Um, going, it it almost felt like two different leagues. Right. Where where I just came from to to kind of the standard and and what that was to where I went, and that's not bashing Atlanta, it's just where they were in their organization at that point. It was 
I, it's, it's indescribable, really. It was like a complete 180 of what was going on. It was more – guys were more worried about their bonuses and hitting uh, – I had guys – I watched guys throwing their helmet coming in after six went win, and I was confused. Like, I didn't know – I come to find out he's mad because he didn't get any points that game. And I was I was like, what? Like, it just – it was so different. Um, so, you know, and, and – I only played the last little bit after the waivers and there was a lockout and then I came back the next year and played there. So at that point, things were starting to change. They, they were trying to address some of the culture issues and, you know, they had Scott Mellonby was there and some different players that were trying to change that culture. So, um, but those, those, uh, unfortunately, those leaders that were there, they learned how to lose and they, they were, whether they met or not, they're okay with it, you know, and, and to a certain degree. And so they just didn't understand what it took to win so and how could they i mean that they they really were just a subject of their own environment i don't think it's that they they didn't care they just didn't know they didn't have that environment around they didn't have that those guys that won and and, and understood um the demands and what it actually took in the preparation and and the standard for winning and and so i don't think that they had ill will i don't think that they weren't good teammates i just think they just didn't get it and so so yeah, Atlanta was a whole another experience. But again, I learned a ton from being there. You know, and it, it, I appreciated Colorado so much for what I was able to go through. And at the time when you're in it, you don't, you know, that's just what you do. And then all of a sudden you're taken from that environment into another one and you go, Oh, wow, this is, this is different, you know? And, but for me, it was a good move because I got to play more, you know, I wasn't a very good player, but I got a third line role. I got to be a check and roll. I got to play with, Pascal Dupuis and Bobby Olique on a third line and just penalty kill and play third line minutes and play like 13, 14 minutes a night. So, so selfishly it was great because I got to play more, but we didn't win as much, but you know, we, we, we kind of turned the corner. We made playoffs one year. Um, we didn't retool the next year enough to kind of keep up with the NHL and, and be, uh, and be uh, a good enough team to win. But, um, but yeah, like I, going through both processes was, for me, again, I take all this stuff as a coach and, and learn. I, I learn from both sides, you know, one, how fortunate we were to have that, that not only that much talent, but the quality of players and people. And then the other one going, wow, th there was some big gaping holes here. What was going on there? And then, you you know, you'll, you'll never have a team like Colorado again. You can't, not in the cap system. It's just impossible. It's like the old Detroit teams. There's no way you could afford to keep yeah. those players around in the cap system. So that's unless that that system changes that'll never happen again but um but the standard and the selflessness and and the integrity and what what that those are things that you can you can translate into and what winning looks like for any organization well i like i mean i guess get back to your leader i mean there's leadership characteristics that people have and some people you know there's a some people have an innate knack for i think but i do think it's something that is that is learned and if you're curious about leadership um that you can definitely uh soak up stuff from your environment and and like an example i think is a guy like yo know, crosby and and i'm just gonna use him as an example and i know there's others but i mean he's he's in that locker room at 18 years old and, and who's who's in there with them right like mark recky's in there with them mario lemieux's in there with them talkic's in there with them right like these guys that know how yeah. to win and know how to lead and so when he gets his, when he gets his letter on his chest or whatever it was, he was young, I think maybe 21 or something like, you know, he, he's had, he's had an example, right? He's had an example. He's won yeah. some, he, he sort of sees what it takes. Um, 
and then I and then I think about a guy like Connor McDavid, and I have no idea what kind of a leader he is or he isn't. I know he's an amazing hockey player, but you go into that environment where they haven't won forever, right? There's no real example there, and now he's supposed to create this culture at 20 years old and know what it takes to win a cup. I just think that that's unfortunate and a little bit unfair. Um, you know, to, to have that type of, a, like you said, that standard and, and, and what a privilege it, it was for you to be in, in that environment with these guys that knew what it took. Right now you have this, you have this resume in front of you of like, wow, now I get it. Right. Cause it's right in front yeah. of your eye. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly can't comment on, on, on Connor's situation and, you know, he's obviously a tremendous player and, and Edmonton has gone through some hard times and um, they've kind of been up and down the last few years, but you know, it can only go from personal experience, but, certainly being subjected to to an environment of winning and and that being really the true only standard uh, when you're there it 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 fosters that 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 selflessness and in in an environment where it's not about you it's not about one guy on this team and and so the more you're fortunate to be in that environment and see it and feel it and really it's feeling and going through it you know it um, you know, I say this coaching all the time, there's no substitute for experience. Like you just have to go through things and good or bad. And, and, you know, like, like most time you learn the most in failure, but again, at some point you have to learn and you got to take the next step and grow from it. And sometimes you need someone to teach you that and what that growth looks like. Uh, we went through it here and, you know, this is my 10th year in the organization in Columbus. And so I've been through a whole, I was in the minors for four years as assistant and head coach this is my sixth year here now. And since John Tortorella has been here, you know, watching like the standard and, and, you know, everybody talks about culture and everybody talks about accountability and, and, you know, everybody loves accountability until it's them. You know, that's, that's kind of how it is. It's, but to watch him come in and, and, and really make some tough decisions and, and, you know, the standard for our team and what that looks like, uh, there's no wiggle room. This is how, these are our values. This is what we stand with. This is how we work. And whether you're the top scorer or the guys on the fourth line, it doesn't matter. This is, you know, we all know that there's, there's different rope for different guys as far as skill set. You know, that's, you, you have to do that as coach. That's your responsibility. But once you've implemented values and standards for your group and, and, you know, work's non-negotiable, that's just, that's what we are. That's who we are. That's our identity. Um, that's when you start to see some growth. I think in your organization, they take the step, and and that's the same with players. Like once you self-assessment, self-accountability. Um, you know, everyone says look in the mirror, and 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 that's a hard thing to do. A lot of guys don't really want the real answer. You know, they they I, I say a lot. Players interview well. They say all the right things, but when we talk about leadership, and and the best leaders to me. With it, if you didn't say a word to me, I'm going to know basically what you're all about because your actions are going to be speak way louder than your words. It, you can say all the right things, but if, if your actions don't match up, you know, you're phoning really. Right. Wow. So, but if you didn't say a word to me and I'm watching your, your, your habits in the gym, I'm watching how you prep for a game. I'm watching you in a, in, in a game when things get tough and, and, and you're backing up your teammate, you're encouraging your teammates when, uh, when things, kind of go they're going bad you know how do you handle yourself in that situation there's no analytics for that and everybody wants to put a number on things and that's why as coaches we're, we're always fighting these analytics people because of it because there's all these intangibles that are happening behind the scenes and you go no this guy he's important yeah he's he might be a 30 point guy 
he's not a 60 point guy, but what he brings to my room, what he does for my young guys, what he does for our team and, and our message, you can't put a value on that. And, and so leadership really is, it's going to be like most things in life. It's going to be, it's going to be your actions and how you're doing it and how you're carrying yourself um, without you having to say one word. And then I think that's, that's one of the most important takeaways I took from Colorado is just their actions and their words, they matched up. They were, it was like a puzzle that fit perfectly. So if we failed, it wasn't because guys weren't all in and they didn't do their job. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's great because guys get wrapped up in that too. Like thinking they have this idea and expectation of what a leader is, you know, what, what that incorporate, what that incorporates. And I, I think in the movies, you know, everyone's, everyone's glued to their screens these days. You see, you see captains and they're the ones doing the speech in the room and they're doing, you know, they're doing all this kind of high profile stuff. And I mean, some guys are like that and that's fine. Some guys are vocal, but you definitely do not have to be a vocal leader to have a C in your chest. Um, like you, you do what you just said there, you play the game the right way. You, you prepare properly, you work properly. Um, that's an example. And, and that's all, that's all a coach. That's all an organization is looking for is the right example. Um, and that, that has nothing to do with what you what's coming out of your mouth. Right? No, not, not even close. Like I said, there's a lot of guys that have really good lip service, you know, we, we call it and, and, but you know, you, you'll challenge him and you'll, you'll give him an opportunity to grow. Um, and put it really the ball in their court. And within a week to 10 days, if they don't see results, they may resort back. And, and like anything in life that's worth having, it takes time. You know what I mean? You don't get shape in a week. You know, it's, these things take time to, to develop and, and growth takes time. And so, but the, there's some, some kids when you're watching, you're, you just know they're going to succeed. And it's not, it's not goals assist. It's not, you know, but you're like that kid's got, he's got something. He, he's not going to be denied because it, you can just tell he's not saying much, but his actions are telling me everything he's supposed to be doing. He's, he's going to yeah. be all right. You know, and that, that's a huge thing. It's, it's, it's a, it's a driven, it's a driven athlete that, that understands that what's important. Well, I think that keeps, cause I mean, you did, I, I mean, you might've been the leading scorer in Swifty that one time, but you weren't, I mean, throughout your career in the minors, you weren't a guy throwing up huge numbers, right? Like that wasn't, you, you weren't first line PP and everyone's looking to you to score the overtime winner, right? Like you were that, you were that glue that did the right things at the right time. And, and, uh, and we're that piece in the locker room that I think you're talking about, but like what, it just makes me think a, a little bit about how guys like uh, the, the, the trait of humble, I think humble is a good word to use. Like the, that self-awareness to know, regardless of how good you are or how good you aren't, that there's always room to grow, right? There's always room to get a little better um, and to be a pro, right? That really, that's essentially like, to me, that's almost a definition of a pro, right? Like doing the right things to make sure that you're, you're getting better. And I think there has to be some type of a humbleness there to, to have that mindset, right? That like, yeah, you know, there's room for me. But if you can't, if you can't shine the mirror, that's where I think coaches are amazing too. Because one, you have to develop yourself, and that's one thing I teach. And one thing I didn't get until I got out of the game, unfortunately, is like, my gosh, like have this raw, authentic look at yourself, right? Where where, where are you coming from? What do you need to What do you need to improve to grow? And that might not be your stick hand, and it might be it might be your perseverance, it might be your resilience. It, I don't know what muscle it is that you got to work, but there is there is some things that you could find, right? If you want to look. Um, do you do you find that with the best players, like the guys that that stick around, like the guys that are there for a while, that they they have that sign of that thirst, that thirst, that curiosity uh, to keep improving? Well, yeah, it, humility actually, it, it's a huge piece of it. But like I said, it's it's that self assessment, it's that self accountability, and 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 some guys you can tell when they're talking, they get it. You, you know, as coaches, you 
you have directed questions, you usually are, are going down a path and you're searching, you know, like for me, when I've talked to someone, it's not just the words, it's body language. It's, it's, it's a, it's a feel thing when you're, you're going, is he, does he really believe what I'm saying? Or is he just, he thinks I'm lying to him, you know? And I try to tell, but it, it, it's never personal. I like all these guys and I want them to succeed, but I'm going to be honest with you. You know, you, the players deserve to hear honesty and, and um, they need to know what, what's wrong. Like, how do I fix it? So you try to give them solutions and, and sometimes at the end, they just, players are passing them. You know, it's, it's a, it's tough. Again, that can go a whole another direction, but you know, it, at the end of the day, it's, you know, you honesty and self-assessment. Um, if you don't have that, you're, you're going to, you're going to have a lot of troubles, I think, you know, for, for any athlete. And that's just in life in general. If you're, if you're always looking to pass the blame, if you're always pointing the finger, if you're always, uh, woe is me, or, you know, this coach doesn't like, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not about the coach. The coach is going to play if you're good enough, you know, unless, you know, have some discipline issues or something, you know, away from the game. But at the end of the day, I don't know many coaches that aren't going to play their best players in, in those situations or, or, or put the, the best 20 guys on the ice if they think that they can help them win, um, especially at our level. So, um, but if you, if you're, if you're humble enough to, to assess your game without being too hard on yourself and, and being negative, you know, cause there's that fine balance too of, of, of parking things and, and, and getting better and, and making sure that the next day it's like, all right, I'm going to, I need to improve. But if you can do that, you're ahead of the game on a lot of, a lot of athletes. One, uh, one topic I like, and I think that you can probably speak to this pretty well is, 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 is that relationship with a coach? Like there's, there's always going to be a divide, right? Like there's the coaching staff and there's players and, and I know that, you know, it, it, I think that divide is a lot less than when we played. Uh, Brad, I think that's trying to, some guys are trying to get a little bit closer to minimize that divide, but there's going to be one. Um, but I remember back when I was playing, I, I didn't think that it was for me to build the relationship with the coach. It was almost for the coach to build the relationship with me, um, which which I'm trying to talk to guys about, that these relationships are key, right? And like you had a guy in your life named Bob Hartley that played a pretty significant role in your career, right? It was a guy that whatever liked you or you liked, however that worked, right? There was a relationship there and he, he had you play for him in Colorado and he was the head coach in Atlanta. And, and now you're on that other side of it. Like, is, is there something that, um, I don't know, like, is there any advice to players? Like other than, you know, of course we want everyone to work hard and that's going to earn some trust, but how do you earn the trust of your coach? How do you build that relationship and, and have that guy be a fan, you know? Well, well, one things have changed. It's not, you know, you used to just kind of do what you're told, and and you know they yell, you just do it. You you don't really question what's going on. Um, and I'll go back to this. We just talked about your actions. Your your actions are going to speak so loud. And and don't be afraid. You know, if everybody, it's about the whys now. You know, well, why are we doing this? Why am I here? Why am I on the fourth line? Why am I not on the third line? Why am I not on the power play? Why? So as coaches, it's your responsibility. Tell them why, you know, first of all, because that's the world we live in. And if you don't want to do that, you're going to fail. Um, so it does make you work harder. And you're accountable as a coach, too. You know, you have to make sure that um, you, he may not like the answer and he may not agree with you, but that you better be prepared for that for that question. But but two, I'll go back to it. You're, the, the way you handle yourself, the way you're, if I, if I challenge a player and I'm saying you need to work on A, B, and C, um, and at my level, at the pro level, I don't have time to hold your hand. And, and it's not, you know, this isn't Pee Wee, it's not Adam, it's not, you know, um, 
it might not even be called Adam anymore. I don't even know what the leagues are called. You know, I haven't done it. So, um, but I used to, when I coached in the American League, I, you know, I, I tell them what was wrong. I try and give them some, some help. I give them two or three things to work on. And then I'd watch them the next month. You know, if I said, uh, I want you to work on the wall, let's work on your shot, grab some of your teammates. And, and I'd let them know as a head coach, I got 23, 24 guys I got to worry about. I'm dealing with management up top. I got, there's a lot of things. It's not because I don't like you or, or I don't have time for you. It's because there's a lot of different guys I got to, I got to be attentive to plus the team scheme and all these things and planning practice. And so, well, but you can watch, you watch the players that if once I've given them direction and some of them last a week and if it doesn't work, then the next three weeks, they're in the same boat. They haven't worked on it. And, the, but they're surprised when they come back and, and I go. Okay. Well, we cut off there just when you were, you were just saying, I don't know when you know you cut off, but you, you, you were saying that you, you would give a guy, you would give a guy some instruction and some guys just, they're not in it for the long haul. Like the, the, you, you, you watch them and, and maybe they say they want to get better or they try to, but they're, they're not really doing what it takes. Yeah. To get it's all, it's all about the investment. Right. So, so again, I, I'm not at this level and, and it's different at different levels. Absolutely. But, at our level, um, you know, you're still dealing with young men, absolutely. But the, the, there has to be some responsibility taken on your side as the player. And you can't – you're not going to have a coach – coach can't hold your hand through everything. So it is a, the coach's job to give you some solutions to what the problem is. Um, but you're, you're going to have to take the initiative in your own career. So – and I would watch that closely, really closely, uh, with certain guys that – you know, again, they're complaining about A, B, and C, but they're not doing D, E, and F to get better. So yeah. right away you go, all right, it's not that important to him. So so he wants me to take it serious and give him opportunity, but he doesn't want to put the work in, right? So, and again, we're talking about, I, I'd watch for 30 days. This isn't over a whole season. And, yeah. and most guys can't even sustain it for a week, let alone four weeks. So I, I always come back to this. How important is it to you? If you, if you want it, then, then treat it as such. And if, and don't, if you, you know, and again, we'll, we'll double back to the self-assessment and the accountability. Are you honest with yourself? Are you putting the work in? Are you putting the time in? Are you, are you all in? Is it, is it important to you? And if it is, you'll put the work in and, and I'll see it as coach and, and, and lo and behold, your game will improve. I promise you, you know, it's, it's not going to go backwards. And so, and then, and this is what I always go back to. If it doesn't work out, you leave with your head high. You have no regrets. You, you did everything you could, and, and you have peace about it. And a lot of guys that um, maybe the careers didn't work out, it's easy to pass the blame. It's easy to go, uh, well, this guy didn't like me. This coach didn't like me. The organization didn't like me. They didn't put me in the proper role. There might be some truth to that for some players, but I'm going to tell you this, the majority of them, it's it's excuses that you know and their self-assessment's not so great Um, and the guys who are at peace with it they go look i did everything i could and they can chuckle about it and that's good and they have peace and they move on and they're going to be they'll probably do really well in life because it's okay you know what i mean it's not the end of the line where you know hockey's a massive part of my life but it's not who i am not even close you know so it's it's important that you just you, you take it serious if it's important to you make it important yeah, right. No, I think that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, and the other thing that I think guys don't get, especially if you're in the minors, right? Like you're in the minors, 
you're getting a phone call as the head coach saying, hey, what's, what's Joe Smith up to? Yep. And you're like, hey, he's really working hard at his game. I like what I see out of him. You know, this guy's going to be a player. He's maybe not producing right now, but I like him. I, I, I'm, I'm bullish on him, right? Like, yep. Or that call goes, hey, man, I gave him some work. I don't know where this kid's head at. Like, you mean like that? Like, that's your reputation again, you're talking about. That's your brand, right? Like who you are, what's your vote. People are watching, right? And, it's, and, and that's going to supply you opportunities too as a player. Um, and that's the thing. Obviously, I mean, I, I tell everyone that you, you ideally you want it to be authentic, right? To come with, within. It's important to you. You're aligning with your goals and dreams. You're doing the work that's required. But even if you can't make it authentic, do the work. You know what I mean? Even if it's just for somebody else. If you want to be an NHL player, you think you do, do the work that you're told to do, right? Like it just, it, it's kind of a no brainer, right? Um, it's a heck of a lot harder to do a second yeah, a heck of a lot harder to do it. Option two, option one makes it easier. But anyway, I just think that's a wild thing. Like, and something that I honestly didn't get. Like when I was in the minors, I thought it was like all about producing, right? Like, okay, if I'm, if I'm the guy, right? If I'm the guy, they're going to take the best player and I'm going to get called up. And it wasn't like I wasn't working away from the rink, but I was not nearly as professional I should have been, right? Like showing up early, right? Not with bad head. Right, like taking taking that side of it serious, working out working out at the rink instead of doing something out somewhere else, hiding. Like that was like my style of doing stuff. Right, like I was like, hey, forty two goals, what's going on? Right, but like like you said, like there's an interpersonal aspect to that. Right, the coach needs to see. The coach needs to see that you care, other than what's going on on the ice. And I think sometimes uh, guys don't even understand it, or they don't really get it. You know. Well, well, practice habits, right? So, you know, we're creatures of habit. So you. The thing about what people get away with at, at the American League that they're doing at the NHL is that some of them do have a little bit more talent. And so they get away with it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's, it, you know, so maybe they should be an NHL player. They don't put the time in. They get away with it and can produce. But then they're shocked they're not getting the next, the next chance and they can't figure out why. So it's, it's the cycle of disappointment. And then that's where it gets into the blame game, right? Well, yeah. I'm the top scorer. Why am I not? Well, there's, there's, that's one part of it. But generally, when someone's getting called up from the minors, they're not going to be put in the top six role. It's just that's kind of the reality of it because they have really, really good players that they're paying a lot of money to do that. So, but I tell them this, put the work in. Now you're there every day. Now you're seen every day, right? So if you can add more tools to your toolbox, and I got that from Brad McCrimmon, God rest his soul, who passed away in a plane crash in Russia. He coached me in Atlanta. He had a great career. But what, one thing he taught me is you always want to be putting tools in your toolbox. So, you know, if you're, if you're a good winger, practice face-offs. You know, try and be a good face-off guy because, you know, it's something that you can add. If you're a power play guy, try and be a penalty killer. Ask the coach, can I kill penalties? try and improve in different areas and then you have more weapons right you have so so you have to find a way to get there get there if that's a fourth line role fine but now they get to see you every day now they get to see you work ethic. now they get to see you shoot yeah. a puck and go man this kid can stick and fire it you know and someone gets hurt you get an opportunity i go back that that preparation meets opportunity now you're prepared you're there you've worked you've put the work in you've given yourself your best chance to succeed if you if, if you're cutting corners playing the blame game and you're you can't even do the simplest thing of like just put the work in you yeah. set yourself up to fail that's that's the bottom line and coaches see it it's hard to really fool anybody anymore yeah no i agree um do you find like i was talking about making an impression on a coach like 
Uh, I know. I mean, I'm coaching. Adam still does exist, uh, Brad. That's that's what I'm coaching here. I'm coaching our, our coaching our Adam talk. <laughs> yeah. And uh, what I love in that role, and my wife's a teacher too at dance, and we 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 have some you know discussions about you know coaching and and and, and trying to make people better and, and and what impacts us, right? And for me, it's like a guy who actually will come to me and ask, "How do I get better?" Sure. Right. How can I improve? And then obviously like watching them do the work, but even that question alone, how can you help me get better? Or what do I need to do? Like, bet you even on the team you're at right now, or like your experience in the minors, like not many guys ask. Correct. Um, well, I think it's twofold. I think they don't really want to ask because they don't want to really hear the answer for one, or they might hear the answer and not want to put the work in. So that's, again, it goes back to self-assessment and, and how important it is to you. And they don't ask because they're not really sure they want to hear the answer. They, and, and half of them probably know it, but they don't want to know it. You know, and if that, yeah. if that makes sense, they're, yeah. they're almost, and it's, and some of it's a personality thing. Some guys are introverts or whatever, but at the end of the day, you know, as a coach, it's your responsibility to make people at least at, know that it's an open door policy come and ask and i tell them if you're not sure come ask me i will tell you the answer i will i will give you the answer you may not like it i will give it to you and and we'll come up with a plan and i'll do whatever we can but some guys i i really think they don't want to hear the answer and that's again this is at a higher level um obviously but but yeah go ask all the you know i had a coach tell me you ask the question i gotta give you an answer you know it's the truth so it, it and it's spot on and why am i not playing well let me tell you you may not like it but he's got to answer the question so yeah. if you're not sure ask the question but be ready for the answers and come and, and any player come prepared come prepared yeah. because you know some guys come in guns and blazing and all of a sudden their tails between their legs and they're leaving and it's just yeah. because again self-assessment maybe wasn't totally there Right, right. No, well, that's a, the, the mirror. A mirror is a valuable thing if you're able to look at it. Um, yeah. I, I know we've ran on here and you're actually driving home now, Lars, and I appreciate your time. But I, you've said the word My preparation. I'm at risk right now. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've mentioned the word preparation. Now you're pre- preparing for a domestic uh, issue at home. Uh, but uh, when it comes to preparation for hockey, like what – what, what does that mean to you and how did you incorporate that? Because I do think that that's something that's not taught, Brad. Like, I think that, you know, coming up through junior, our preparation was, oh, yeah, well, we eat a pasta dinner and then we have a nap and then we show up to the rink, right? And, like, there really wasn't much more to it, just that we were following the footsteps of others. But, like, I do think getting the mind ready, getting your body ready, um, you know, getting, getting, getting all those different facets, getting ready tactically, getting ready technically, like – there is, there is a process to that. That's professional. Um, have, have you learned that or do you teach that or how, where do you think that comes from? Well, by the time you get to this level, it's a little different. Like, and I, and I'd say a lot of guys even fall short of that as a coach, you're, you're always wanting a certain level of commitment, you know? And so preparation, I mean, you know, there's in season and off season, obviously there's totally different preparation here. So as a, as a coach right away, you know, you, you do testing and it's not because you're worried about the scores. I'm going to be honest. You want to see if they prepared, if they can't even do the simplest task of preparing and, and hitting a certain body percentage fat and, and, and trying to get to hit a certain goal on, on, on their, their, their lifting and their run and different things right away. It's a, it's a red flag that they couldn't even prepare unless they're injured. I mean, and, and again, 
we're not we're not stupid as coaches. You understand some guys can run, some guys can't. Some guys are strong, some guys aren't. Like you get all that. But if you're not seeing improvement, if you're not seeing a guy, you've asked him to put on weight or you've asked him to lose weight or you've asked him to do it and you see no improvement, right away I'm scratching my chin going, huh, well, what, what was he doing, you know? So yeah. if you're behind the eight ball. So that's the off-season stuff. In-season, getting your proper sleep. You know what I mean? Look, none of us are saints, and, and, and I certainly wasn't when I played, but there's a, there's a time to run and there's a time to make sure that you're, you're focused and and again, I'll come back to how important it is to you. You know what I mean? You, you know, peer pressure. Can you say no to your friends going, you know what? I'm good, man. I'm just going to, I'm going to bed. We got a big game tomorrow or we got a game in two days. And um, you're putting the right foods in your body. Your, you know, practice. Practice is important, especially at the minor league level. Practice, we're creatures of habit. So if you're going to one leg shots all practice and, and not take, you know, you're on the power play, you're not really hungry on retrievals, you're not really hungry on scoring goals and, and you're kind of just putting in the time, there's a real good chance in the game you're going to be just putting in time. And, and so if I'm asking for 45 minutes of dedication, like literally when I ask, you know, from a coach's standpoint, you're there all day. From a player, you're coming, everything's prepared for you. you got to go in the gym for maybe 30 or 40 minutes at the most. This is in season. And then you got maybe a 45 to an hour minute practice. We don't practice much more than 45, 50 minutes, but it is required. There's pace. There's, there's execution. Like you've got to be on your toes and a focus. So I'm asking for like an hour, 15, hour and a half of your time each day. And one of those days is probably a day off. So six days a week, I'm asking you to focus for 90 minutes. Seriously. Right. I can put you in front of social media for four hours and these guys will knock it out of the park. You know what I mean? And, and they are focused, you know what I mean? Or a video game or, you know, so, and, and I know this is getting old, but is it important to you? So if you just dial in for 90 minutes, dial in, because you're going to improve. You're going to see improve. You're, you're, you're going to get something out of it. And so if you put the time into practice and you do it with some kind of intensity and, and hey, we all have our down days. We all have tired days. We get that. We're, we're, I'm also realistic. But if it's important to you, you're going to prepare properly. And, and that preparation starts in practice. It starts in the gym. It starts away from the ring. More, you spend way more time away from the ring than at the ring. And I'm not going to hold your hand. And I'm not calling curfew. And I'm not saying what you're eating. I'm trusting you're doing the right thing. So, so do it. And, and now, more than ever, there's things in place. They tell you exactly what you can eat. They're doing, they know your dietary restrictions that, you know, foods that are hurting your body, foods that are helping your body. We have sleep doctors that come in. So, everything's available to you you know you just have to apply it and do it and now you have you now you have your best chance to succeed so that's what preparation is to me it's if it's important to you and you you take it seriously you know you're going to put the time in and do it properly yeah do you see it at your level like guys that do and guys that don't 100 percent, yeah and yeah. and the guys that don't they're excuse makers, right? It's, it's, you don't like me. You, you, you don't know how to use me. You, you hate me. Like, that's my favorite. I'm like, Hey, I'm like, why would I hate you? I don't hate you. I don't even know you really away from the ring. You're a great guy. I'd love to go have a beer with you, you know, or have a coffee with you. I just don't like how you're playing. You know what I mean? That's really what it comes down to. Right. You know, it's not personal. I tell him it's not personal. It's not, I like you. I just don't like how you're playing. That's it. And and when you can, if you, again, as a coach, you've got to develop relations with your players too. That's your responsibility and to get to know them a little bit and, and, and understand them. And, and like what makes Jason Podolan tick and what makes me tick is probably two different things, you know? So that is part of your responsibility, but 
you know, at the end of the day, you know, enough of the excuses, you know what I mean? The excuses, it, it's easy to fall back on and, and with excuses comes regrets. That's, that's, I live by that. And, and, and you don't want to have any regrets. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I totally agree. And that's such a, it's such an easier way to live too, right? When, when it's, when it is in line. And I think that's why I use alignment a lot and, and self-awareness. I think those are two things that I've, that I have definitely learned later that are such valuable tools. And, and again, like it, it is what it is. It, it's what you want, right? You said it's, it's like, what do you want? And so this yep. the idea of this whole of our conversation really is to provide this conversation to two guys that went through it differently, right? Had different ideas, different experiences. And now we're saying, Hey man, this really works, right? If you can apply this, if you can do this, if you tell me you want to be whatever you want to be an NHL player, do this, try it. Yeah. Right. You mean, try it, see what works for you. Cause it's hard to do. And we're not saying it's not, but it works. You know I mean, and that's kind of the thing. It's like, it works, man. It works. And, and because it is hard to do, not everybody's doing it. So you're going to stand out. You're going to separate yourself. People are going to yeah. notice, right? Like, it's just like, oh, it, it just, it, it gives me goosebumps even just talking about it because it is, unfortunately, it is not that common, you know? Well, play, there's, there's, there's playing in the NHL or, or playing a few games or carving a career. And, and the reason why guys carve careers is because they're consistent. Like that consistency in your preparation, that consistency in your attention to detail. And that's why guys play eight, nine, 10, 12 years. That's, that's how they do it. They're sustainable. And, you know, anybody can come up and play five, five to 10 games. The honeymoon phase is easy. You know, you're full of adrenaline. You're excited. You'll go through the wall. Um, you don't care if it hurts. I mean, but it's funny how guys will hit a wall. And, and then all of a sudden the honeymoon phase is over after 10 or 12 games and you see their game start to dip and, and then it gets a little bit tough and then ice time gets taken away and then they're not sure how to handle it. And cause they're not prepared. They're not prepared yeah. for it. And, and really that's, that's why guys, you know, you'll see some players and, 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 you know, I'm probably a good example where they'll look at me and be like, I was way better at him. And they were in a lot of areas. But I'll tell you what, no one worked harder. I made sure that I was prepared. And if I didn't make it, it wasn't, wasn't going to be because I didn't put the time or the work in or I didn't dedicate myself to the sport. So, so I could walk away and go, you know what, I just wasn't good enough. And I could live with that decision and, and it'd be, I'd be okay with it. Yeah. But there's a lot of players that were way better than me, and, but they didn't want to put the work in. And I watched, it, I watched the guy, this is a true story, is in Hershey. I won't say the player's name, but um we were it was towards the end of the season this guy was one of the leading scorers in the league and he got called up after the game and I this is one of it was my first or second year I can't remember I think it was I think it was my second year and I'm just dying to go to the NHL you know what I mean like just whatever and they came and like hey you just got called up and he's like Ugh. and I'm like he's like why he goes next time tell me so that, you know, because, you know, I'm leading the league in scoring right now and, and, and I can just say my back's hurt or something. And I'm like, what? So it was more important for him to try and lead the league in scoring so he could make more money in an NHL salary than he was to go. Because he had been shuttled up and down before. You know, and he's an older guy. and yeah. He just – but he didn't want to change. His comment was, if, if they don't like me for how I play, then I don't want to be there. And I'm like, wow. Like, it just blew me away. Like, I would have gave my right arm just to get a game, you know. So it was, you know, hey, that's where he was at, and that's fine with it. But, you know, don't fool yourself in, in, in thinking that you can take shortcuts and try and, and be a consistent or a 
make it a career. It's, 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 it's hard. It's really hard. And the guys that, that put the time in and, and you're, you're sitting there and you're going, man, he's just there. I'll guarantee you there's an appreciation from the coach, uh, his teammates, you know, that what he does every day as a coach, you don't even worry about it. Cause you're like, I know he's prepared. I know he knows his role. I know he's a good teammate. I know what I I'm getting from him every night. There's, you can't put a value on that. And um, again, that's, that's putting the work in every single day and being consistent in, in not only what you're saying, but your actions and you're prepared. And, and that goes so much farther than being the top scorer and, but you're all over the map. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. numbers are big, you know, everybody wants to be that, but not everybody can lead their team in scoring. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's a result. That's a result thing. I talk about that too a lot, right? Like those are results that, that can or can't happen. Like, and it depends on where you're going. It depends on a lot of things that sometimes aren't in your control, you know, like how many minutes you're playing, maybe with who you're playing with. Um, but you control that other stuff that you're talking about, the stuff, your practice habits, um, the stuff, the stuff when you're not at the rink, uh, what kind of teammate you are. Those are things you can control. And those are things people notice too. And I think I lost you again. There you go. You, you there? Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I lost you. You must have went through a tunnel. <laughs> yeah, I did. I went through a bad spot. I always do. I was going to warn you, but it was too late. No, that's okay. No, we'll wrap it up. I mean, this has been awesome. There's so much we could, we didn't even talk about World Junior, which I wanted to. You wore the, you wore the yeah. C for your, for your country yeah. and won a gold medal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, under Babcock too, which I, I, I did want to touch on, but I mean, whatever, maybe there's another time. I, I know that was a real special sure. time for, or again, a couple of Vernon boys to play on on the on the yeah. team for your for your first one um, yep. to win gold in Boston, and you were able to come back and, and wear the C and win another one. Um, what an honor! I'm sure, I'm sure that was a highlight for you in, in your career, was it not? Yeah, oh yeah. You know, I used to watch it as a kid, the World Juniors, and and just you know could only that was bigger than the NHL because I think I could associate with the younger man, and you know, back then and. And watching them and playing for Canada, it's like I remember making it my first year, and I had no business making it the first year. I think I think there was like four or five guys in the NHL that that just didn't get released by their teams. <laughs> that was the only reason I made it. So, and that team was with you, and we were pretty good. We just kind of steamrolled through that tournament pretty well. The next year was a little bit of a that was with Babcock, and um, you know he did make me captain that year. You know, and we'd won four in a row, so I was I was so nervous, man. I didn't want to be the guy that dropped the ball. You know, what I mean? so yeah. I remember, I remember we won it, and um, and we were uh, we were on the bench, and you know we we're celebrating in the room, and then I kind of just snuck off to the bench, and and actually Babs came out too, and 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 we're sitting there, and he goes, well, he goes, we got it done, and I'm like, yeah, like it was such a relief, it was it was hard to even enjoy it. It was just like, oh, thank goodness we won it because I did not want to be the guy that screwed this up, you know. And I think he felt the same as a coach, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So yeah, it was it, totally different experiences. Um, but yeah, like play for your country, you can't beat that. It, it was that's just that's pure pure hockey, pure love of the game, you know. And and to be part of that was it was incredible. Yeah. Did you follow, did you follow it last year at all, or do you still look at it from time to time? I do from time to time. It always depends on our schedule. I try to catch the games as like we're, right. we're going from city to city or wherever we're at. But yeah, you know, I, 
I always take an interest in it. I'm always pulling for Canada and, and, and trying to watch, you know, the games when I can, for sure. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you talking about that and like the, the weight of that expectation, right? I mean, it's much oh, yeah. different than, you know, you were, uh, you know, with us, like you said, you're a fourth line role on our gold medal team. And then the next year you come back and now you're the captain, completely different experience for you. Um, different level of expectation. You mean all, all the rest of it? You mean more media demands? I'm sure there's a ton of stuff there. But then I look back at the team last year, um, and that poor captain. He had, you know, he he had the uh, the penalty shot that he missed, and like he had to remove his Twitter account. And like, oh, that just my heart breaks for him. Like, you I mean, all he wanted to do was was win. You know what I mean, like, yeah. it's just it's how did how did you feel about that whole thing? Well, again, this is the, that world of social media and everybody's got an opinion and, and 98% of them don't deserve to have an opinion on it. You know what I mean? Like they're, you don't think that kid felt awful. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it's every, the, the armchair player and the armchair GM, every, it, it's really easy when, when you're not in that situation, and, you know, but that's just, that's the environment we're in right now. And, and I do feel bad for the athletes a lot of times. And, and, you know, and even as coaches, you go through it too, because the analytics world, they, they have a number for everything. And, you know, for, for every positive three numbers, there's two negatives that they want to clean up and they want that number to look perfect. Like everybody wants it in this perfect box with a nice bow on it. And, and, and it's very rare that it happens. So, you know, everybody wants it kind of that black and white. This is what we need to do. And there's so much gray in our sport because it's a team sport. There's 20 guys on the ice. There's, you know, in one shift, you go offense to defense 10 different times, you know. Mm-hmm. So that poor kid that, that got ridiculed and, and beat down and he's got a it, – it's, it's, it's insane. He's a young man. He's doing the best he can. Trust yeah. me, he wanted to succeed in that moment. I, I guarantee it. It's just – it's yeah. unfortunate, but that's, you know, I guess that's just part of the world we're in right now, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah and like you said earlier, I mean, you, you, you do – I'm sure he learned a lot from that. I, I mean, he, he played oh, some yeah. games last year in the NHL. It sounds like he's a real good player. And, and yeah. I hope, hope he did learn something from that because um, we usually do learn in, in the downsides. But, boy, I'm sure glad we won, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm telling yeah, even even in not in the – you know, there was not nearly the level of social media, but just the – the expectations it's as a young man going to that it's there's this euphoria of making the team and then there's a reality of like oh okay well we're the favorites you know it's it's and now things have changed a little bit the parity is is obviously countries have caught up and um it's not like canada was it was a winner bust now you look it's a little bit different but yeah the the expectations on a 17 18 year old 19 year old is crazy you know and when the country is watching you know what i mean and and everybody's transfixed on the TV in Canada. I know that for sure. So it's, it's a lot to take. No, that's fun. Well, thanks so much, Lars. I really enjoyed the conversation. I knew you'd be great. You're, uh, you're always recognized as a, as a great guy in the room. And, uh, you know, and even like looking at your career there, you know, however, geez, almost 300 games, I think you got to. Um, yeah, yeah right? just, just a little bit over with playoffs. I think 300 plus games and yeah. Or just feel very 400 in the minors 300 and you know i did a little yeah. bit of everything it's great no and i love that too because i mean we didn't get a chance to really go into it but like kind of three years in the minors before your first big chance you know and then you were you were down after kind of a full season had to come come back yeah. again and oh, yeah. I, just, I just love that story of perseverance and and uh and when i'm chatting with guys like yourself it's you know there is a way right and again you said it tons of times right if it is important to you you can make it important and and usually Absolutely things can work out, you know, and, uh, 
just keep doing the right things. Um, and now you're still in the game and you're with Colorado. I know you're learning a ton from torts. I know that's another whole conversation we can have about the whole realm switching to coaching, but I really do appreciate yeah. how much time you've been here. I know a lot of guys learned a lot. So thanks so much, Lars, and best of luck with the season, buddy. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was great. Awesome. Cheers, buddy. All right, thank you. Thank you so much for being here today for Up My Hockey uh, with Brad Larson. Anytime we have an opportunity to listen to an NHL coach, uh, an assistant coach of six years in the biggest league, the best league in the world, uh, I think we have to be grateful and humbled for that opportunity to, to listen to his wisdom and his perspective and his philosophy on what it takes to be great. So Brad did not disappoint. I love that conversation. I enjoyed that discussion. I'm sure you guys had a lot of takeaways as well today. So thank you for being here and thank you for sharing and thank you for supporting the podcast. A lot of you have taken the time to let me know that uh, what you think of the content, that you appreciate what, what we're putting out and what we're trying to accomplish and, uh, and you've made it a part of your listening sequence. And for that, I thank you because without knowing um, what it is you like or what it is you want to hear, it's tough to provide that. So um, thank you once again for getting the podcast out there, for telling your friends about it, for subscribing, for sharing, because that's how this thing's going to grow and that's how more, more parents and more athletes are going to be able to hear the message uh, that's going to allow them to be the best that they can be. So thank you again and tune in next time, uh, next week, and we have another amazing guest on Up My Hockey. Have a great day.